I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Burton. I have the pleasure of talking to someone I have gotten to know over the past two years, and I've just seen his consistency, I've seen his faith, more importantly, I've seen him make every adjustment to get to the goals that he said that are important to him, from publishing his book to um, completing uh, his certification to become a recovery coach. I am on the phone with business owner, Tony Jackson. Thank you, B. Thank you for allowing me to come on, man. It's a privilege to be on your show. Man, I'm excited, uh, Tony. And we're going to make sure that this gets on both podcasts. I'll um, put one on the Veterans Leadership Blog Podcast and the Bernard Bergen um, Podcast because I believe that your message to veterans, a lot of veterans uh, feel stuck, you know, and, and they've seen a lot, they've been through a lot. And at times, drug use is their way out. And I think you can shed some light on that and show them that there's a better way. And I know to my listeners on the Bernard Bergen podcast, you know, they are so used to the variety that it's going to go over well there. Um, right at the top, Tony, let's talk about writing your book and what it felt like to complete something that was so transparent for you. Well, Bernard, when I first started writing a book, it was a challenge. You know, with me being a high school dropout, it was real hard. And I really didn't want to express things about me because I was ashamed from where I came from. Mm. Thank God I was in the community with men who held me accountable. And that made me be transparent about my life. Wow. It was a struggle. Don't get me wrong. It was a struggle. Plus with me have to drive trucks every day and trying to time block and writing this book, it, it was real hard. But I was able to, to do it. I took 30 minutes out of every day. Even if I didn't get more a paragraph down, that's what I did. Yeah, I love that. Now, you had a system. You talked about 30, 30 minutes out of every day and just putting thoughts to paper. And you talked about sometimes talking about what we've been through can be shameful. What kept you going through writing that book? What kept me going? Because I know someone needed this story. I know somebody needed to hear this. And plus, it was, you know, I needed to get this out of me because I've been, I have been holding on to this for so long. I had actually just buried this. It was, a, I guess, a minute, minute, uh, um, uh, it was something that I hid from a long time. And I just didn't want to talk about it. And I knew it needed to come out. Because the more I was writing, the more I felt better. Because it was like, a, you know, like the pressure on the pipe. It was like I was just releasing all that. Mm, mm. that. That was a great way of phrasing that. You've also had, you know, people in your industry, you're a business owner, you're a business owner in the trucking industry. You've had um, people you're connected to read your book and some with immediate impact because they work with you every day. They see your integrity, they see your character, but they didn't know what you grew through. Talk about that just for a bit. Mm. <laughs> That's a good question. When, uh, actually, I'm, I'm going to go a little deeper than that. When my aunt wrote read the book, she was shocked. She didn't have no idea that I had been through all these, in, these challenges. She kept me on the phone for a whole hour, and she kept telling me that I was lying. And I'm like, why do I have to lie? You know? She said, I never knew this about you. She said, the man that you are now, I just can't see that in you. But like I told her, everything I wrote, it's true. I mean, why would I lie about something like that? And people never did, never, people never, they still can't believe that it's me. They think I just wrote a fake book. Wow, wow. 
Man, how hard is that, that here you are sharing some of the deepest things that transformed your life and even close family members can't really um, digest all that you've been able to go through because you look nothing like what you've been through. Right. Now, what would you say was some of the biggest aha moments as people would tell you what parts of your book stuck out to them? That's a good question. That's a good question. The aha moments would be, how did you make it in the streets like you did having a $500 habit every day? You just like, said you don't look like what you've been through how did you survive that how did you make the money to support your habit every day you know that was a high high moment and just my appearance now like i just don't look like it you know for all the things that that i have been through that was a a real big high high moment for me yeah now just to stay there a bit what would you say to people who feel that they can't overcome their habit? Like we were a part of a conversation recently and one of the gentlemen, he was like, you know, I'm working and you know, my clients uh, love me, love what I do. But some of the, at the end of some of my days, I'm so stressed that I turn to, you know, some drug use at the end of the day. And I know I should be doing better, but this is just my lifestyle. This is how I cope. What would you say to people in that, in that situation? I will first say that you have to admit the problem. You have to acknowledge that you have a problem. And then you have to reach out for some help. But if you never admit that you have a problem, you'll keep bumping your head. Because a lot of people feel like that they can beat it. You can't beat it and you cannot control drugs. Drugs control you at the end of the day. You know, if about it. You know, and you have to make sure that you surround yourself around the right people. If you keep going back into the environment, you're going to keep doing the same thing you've been doing. You have to you have to admit the problem first that you have a problem. A lot of people feel like they don't have a problem. Mm. Okay. Okay. I love that. I love that. Now, in, in the book, what section would you say gives people the most hope or more, most strategy on walking through um, maybe some of their addictions or maybe some of the beliefs that come from maybe serving some time in prison because you went from prison sentence to purpose driven. So there, I, I know there is some meat and potatoes to help people find purpose as they move forward. I'm going I'm to go two ways with that. Now, my, my favorite chapter in my book is uh, fatherhood because I lost relationship with my children. How over a period of time, I was able to get my relationship back with them. For almost 13 or 14 years, I didn't have a relationship with my children. I had lost that. But with me staying consistent and never giving up, I was able to get my relationship back with my children. Now, we're not where we need to be, but we didn't came a long way. It was a point in my life where my children didn't even want to talk to me. They won't have nothing to do with me. But I just didn't let that stop me. I know it's a lot of men that's going in and out of prison that lose relationship with their children. So that's some hope for them that it can be done. But you can't give up because you got to think about how you left them. You know, you can't expect them to just pick up and get back on your team. And that's how I was for a while. I had spent my life out, you know, maybe six, seven years. And I was expecting my children to get back on my team. But they said, no, you're going to have to prove yourself. And that's what I did. I proved myself by staying consistent. Wow. Wow. Now, how hard is that, though, uh, Tony? Because it's your baby saying, why are you contacting me now? Why are you reaching out? Like, I don't want that. I don't want to spend time with you. What would you say to men, even women, feeling that rejection from their own children? I would say, no, but on one thing, just remember what you've done. Remember what you took them through. You know, when you was doing your thing, partying or, or drugging or drinking, whatever you're doing, remember the times that you didn't spend with your children when you had the opportunity to. And I had opportunities to spend with my children, but I chose the street life. Or I, I, I made a lot of promises that I didn't keep. It was times that I used to tell my children, hey, I'm going to come get you. I never showed up. 
So you can imagine how those children feel. You know, you have to think about the things that, that you did. And a lot of people don't. They think that just because, well, I didn't, I didn't got my life back on track, my kids should get back on my team. It don't work like that. They got feelings also, just like you got feelings. Yeah, yeah. Wow, well said. Lots of tough talk, but we need it. It's hard for parents at times to digest that they let their own children down. So well done with, you know, just opening up, opening up your heart and sharing that. Now tell me to those who think, man, I've been through the prison system. You know, I've been through drug use. I don't think I'll ever be able to find a family or find love. Tell us about your journey to finding love, your journey to rebuilding your family and also remind them to not give up on that concept of family and that concept of love. Yeah. Lord, I I was truly blessed with some great parents. Now, my parents, they gave me some tough love, but they were still there for me. So you always have to find someone that that would love you for who you are, no matter what. That's when you need accountability. And Sometimes as men or women, we we don't want no accountability. You have to find somebody that will hold you uh, uh, accountable. And when you do that, that can get you to that to the next level. But first, you got to learn how learn how to love yourself, because if you don't love yourself, how are you going to love someone else? Love, love yourself. Start working on the inside of you. And once you start learning yourself and building the inside out, everything else will fall into place. But you cannot expect a family to love you if you're not loving yourself, if you're not doing the self-work. You have to do the self-work. Yeah, I love it, man. And, you know, um, Tony, we've gotten to know each other. We've gotten to work together. And we, we know that it's from the inside out. We know that we have to do the hard work. Why do you think so many men, why do you think so many um, people who have spent some time in the prison system. Why do you think so many people who have um, went through some issues with drug use and drug abuse struggle with doing the hard work and getting back to a place where they can love themselves? Because it's an easy way out. Once life hit them upside the head, they just want to give up. They don't want to go through the struggle. Mm. Have to go through the struggle. Everything is not going to be easy. Life is going to happen regardless. And you got to learn how to walk through life. And that's why I say you have to work from the inside out. Yeah, you might not get a good, a great job when you first get out of prison. Start somewhere. If it's at McDonald's, if it's at Wendy's, you have to start somewhere. When you start that work somewhere, that builds that momentum up. And then you can, you can get that good job where you start out. But you have to start somewhere. And some people got a lot of pride. I'm not working at McDonald's. I'm not working at Wendy's. And they don't want to do no hard work. But God will bless you if you just take advantage of what he puts in your face. Sometimes God is putting you to a test to see if you really want to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Let's talk about some of your tests. What were some of those things that shifted you? And I remember you shared a story with me about when you decided to enter the trucking industry and the answers wasn't immediately yes take us through that yeah uh when i first applied to a a truck driving school they told me that they would accept me uh after they did a background check came back they didn't want to accept me because of my past and then i was hurt because I was so excited. Me and they was telling me, hey, you're going to get to hit the road. Now I got a good career. I made it start taking care of my family, myself. You know, things finna look up for me. But that, that answer came back, I was so hurt. You know, I was about to give up. But just like I was talking about accountability, having the right people around you, lucky I had a friend. And a friend kept telling me, hey, man, keep applying. Keep applying. And... That's what I did. I applied to like four more truck driving schools and all three of them denied me. But the last one accepted me. Mm. So that was a blessing. Thank God that he was in my corner. Now, if he wasn't in my corner, possibly I could have went back to the streets and started selling drugs. But thank God that he was right in my 
Yeah, yeah, that's big, TJ. Now, I know that you care deeply about the next generation and making sure that they understand that they don't have to be the only ones who can't make it from um, some struggles. What would you say to them? Because for many of them, they feel like no one's in their corner. No one's there to help them. What should we say to them? How should we talk to those who are looking to us as an example? And, you know, they would say sometimes, well, you did it. You were on drugs. You were in the street life. What would you say to them? I would say, don't take the path that I did because the path that I took, I wasted 20 years of my life, man, to the, to, to the street life. And look, now I got to work twice as hard to get what I need to get. If you start where you at, by the time you reach the age of 45, you could be a millionaire if you follow the, the plan, the steps that you need to. So don't, don't do what I did. Make a different choice because this is a hard road, I promise. You know, one of the biggest regrets I got that I have a felony on my record. It's a lot of, I couldn't get a lot of jobs because of my record. Even after my felony had been 18 years old, people still wouldn't accept me because of that. That's going to follow me for the rest of my life unless I get a, a pardon. But that that's just a bad feeling, you know? You feel like I didn't gave my time back, I'm doing the right thing, but people still want to throw this in your face. So don't do the things I did. Listen to me. I already, I already made the mistakes for you. Wow. Wow. Uh, I'm going to repeat that because I think sometimes we miss that there is um, there is a history that people will keep bringing back up. And I think sometimes when we haven't prepared to do the hard work, when we are a bit oversensitive at times, when they throw back our past in our face, we let it break us down. How do you keep going? when even that happens? Mm. You have to be in the right community. You have to be around people that will, will help you during the time. But when you're in that community, you got, to be the, you got to be able to speak up about it. Don't hold things in. And as men, all of us, we, we, that's one of our downfalls. We don't want to talk about our problems. You have to talk about the problem. When things like that happen, if I don't want to share with a whole group let me call Bernard. Let me call somebody in my G-man that can help me out, that I can express my feelings to. You have to have some people that will, that will help you out during those times, but you got to release it. All right. T- tell me how it felt when you went to some of your first book sign-ins and you were getting feedback. I mean, we, we already know that for some, they were shocked that you had lived through so much, but for others, they saw you really do the work to change your life and they were just challenged to do better themselves. Tell us a bit about that. Man, that, that was very exciting. I had a good friend that came up to me and he just started crying. He was like, man, I, I cannot believe you wrote a book. I can't believe that you let everything out to the world like this. How did you do that? I said, it's not for me. It was, it's for someone else. And a lot of people don't understand. And I had friends tell me, hey, man, you crazy. Ain't no way I would tell nobody that. Why not? You don't, you don't know how many people that you could save. If I could just save one, that's, that's good. Because that one can tell another one, and it can keep going on. But you have to get, I have to get out of fear. Fear holds us back. And I just, um, one of my old pastors came up to me, and he was like, he didn't have no idea. And he was like, man, I, I am so happy for you. I'm glad that you was able to, to let this out. It, that is a joy for us, especially for our youth department, you know. So those were some, you know, uh, blessing times there. I love it. I love it. So people on the fence, people who are nervous about telling their, your story and telling your story publicly, um, what Tony is challenging you to do is think about the people who need you. Think about the people who need you to go beyond your current comfort zone. You've already been through a lot. How can you use what you've 
been through to build a bridge for someone else. So, Tony, thank you for doing that. Now, I want to go here with you, Tony. I remember when you started talking about becoming a recovery coach. Tell me why that is important and help us understand what a recovery coach is. That was that was very important to me because I want to help people. I want I want to help people that are been through the struggle because I know how it is. When you've been addicted to a drug, especially crack, crack controls you. It, it, it's like it's your master. You know, when they speak, you obey, obey to it. You know, if you land laying in your bed and they tell you to get up and go get it, you're gonna go up and get it. So I know how that is. It's it's like the crack is, is the devil. It's the enemy. Mm-hmm. I don't wish that on nobody, man. That's a bad feeling. So I want to get out here and tell many people as I can. I want to help people. And like I said, a lot of people are ashamed. They don't want to talk about their past. And sometimes behavior takes us back to our ways, our old ways. And a lot of people, they just don't want to go through the hard work. But I'm a living witness that you can make it. I'm a living witness that you can be successful in anything that you want to do. But you have to put the work in behind it. Mm-hmm. Coaches, just like what is a coach, somebody who can hold you accountable, someone who, uh, if you're about to go relapse, they could call you at three or four o'clock in the morning, someone who can give you steps to follow. It's just that a coach will help you through the process of your, uh, once you started getting clean, you know, you go through a, uh, a rehab or you might go through a sober living. And once you get out, a lot of people don't ha- have nobody to hold them accountable. So you, you reach out, you reach out to a coach and that coach can hold you ac- accountable. Nine times out of 10, a lot of people relapse as soon as they get out of uh, treatment because they don't have nobody in their corner. And a lot of their family members don't understand. Say, uh, like a family member, they might celebrate and say, hey, let's have a glass of wine. He cannot have a glass of wine because he's an addict. And it takes him back to his old ways. So you need somebody that's going to keep their foot on their neck. Man, I love that, Um, Tony. And thanks for going deep. What you made me think of as you shared and and shared the importance of um, having a coach Someone who can hold you accountable, someone who can check in on you, someone who has uh, the training and knowledge slash experience to know when you're lying to them. What it triggered for me was for many, you know, we just started the year 2019. We heard that 2018 was the year of the opioid crisis, you know. And our current president actually has a message, and I wanted to play that message. And then I'd just love to hear your thoughts, and I'll just read some of the stats as well. So give me one moment while I cue that message up. And I'll share my screen so, so you can see it as well. And all right, found it. Let me know when you can see my screen, TJ. I can. All right, and I'll play the message. For generations, the American dream was built on the idea that our children will live longer and more prosperous lives than ever before. Tragically, for many of our fellow citizens, the opioid crisis has replaced the American dream with the nightmare of addiction, a terrible, terrible situation. Drug overdoses are now the leading cause of accidental death in the United States. Every day, about 175 Americans die of drug overdose, and the majority of these deaths are caused by opioids. That is why my administration has declared the opioid crisis a national public health emergency. The opioid epidemic is truly the crisis next door. But too often, we forget that. Stigma, silence, and a lack of information prevent 
us from confronting this crisis as we should. We launched this website to bring together the stories behind the opioid epidemic. These are stories of despair and shock, but also of community, recovery, and hope. I invite every American affected by the opioid crisis to share their story. Working together, we will end the stigma of addiction, defeat the opioid epidemic, and overcome the crisis next door. Wow, TJ. Wow. 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 It says in 2018, more than 2 million Americans will suffer from addiction to prescription or illicit opioids. Opioids killed more people last year than either car accidents or gun violence. As a recovery coach, TJ, tell us a little bit about your industry. Tell us a little bit about what we don't know to the people who just don't know. In a field like this, you have to go deep with a person. And a lot of people are suffering with things at home. You know, they, they're not, not, might not be in a good environment. They might be in a house where someone is using drugs. They, someone might be selling drugs. And they've been around that all their lives. Or they might be dealing with depression. And once they start dealing with depression, the first thing, thing they want to do is use. Or they got people that's using it in front of them. That's why it's so important that we share our stories. Not just me as a recovery coach. Everybody out there got a story. Share the story because there's so many people that we can help. This is just like they say, that's the number one cause. And which you holding on to your story, look how many lives could be saved if you just share that story. And I'm gonna get out here and share my story as much as I can. I got a uh, a goal to get on 15 podcasts this year to, to get this message out there to people. Because it's so important. And I love that. All right. So listeners, other podcasters, I know you're listening because we talk to each other. Make sure you are connecting with, with Tony. You know, what? like he said, he is working to get his message out to the world. And what number are you at right now, Tony, to include this one? Uh, Two. All right. So we have 13 podcasts left that we need to help Tony um, with get his message in front of the world because you know what nothing's going to change if nothing changes you know so many times we just believe that there's someone who's going to do this work for us until it hits close to home until it's our son until it's our daughter until it's our wife our husband who needs a recovery coach who needs the insight and wisdom that someone like tony has to bring to the space and truly help us all see that there is a way ahead. Now, now, Tony, I, I remember that. I can't remember the doctor's name, but he spoke with us one time and he was sharing of his journey to recovery. And I remember that you just had some very um, powerful questions for him because you had experienced much of what he was talking about, you know, to those who have never struggled with addiction to a certain level, why do you feel we are so numb to that people need help? That's a good question. You're talking about Dr. Adam. I, I am, I am. Yeah, okay. Repeat that question one more time, Bernard. Why do you feel that people who haven't struggled with addiction at a certain level, why do you feel that we're so numb to, to the bigger need? Again, here's the president sharing about this crisis, and most people are like, what crisis? Right, right. And this, this is the president stopping his day to address something. So help us to understand why so many in our society are still numb that there is a crisis. A lot of people just want to be blind to the effect. They feel like that, oh, he could just stop or she could just stop. But you don't know unless you've been in those shoes. Just like I said a while ago, crack cocaine is just like the, the devil. And it would take you under. But some people feel like, oh, you could just stop at any time. You cannot stop at any time because you it's a disease. And it, it, and, it, and it takes a process. You have to work on a disease on a, on a daily basis. You have to work on that. Just, um, they just don't want to believe that addiction is the number one killer. And the president just said it. It is, it is what it is. Simple as that. Addiction is the number one killer. Wow. 
Wow. Wow. All right. Let's switch to a message of hope um, really quickly. Now, there's tons of people who choose not to have faith and we don't judge their choices. It is their choice. But what part does faith play in your life, Tony? A big part. That's number one. Uh, actually, that was one of my uh, used to help me to get uh, sober. I had a, spirit, a spiritual experience when I went to church. Um, some kind of, uh, I went to, a, let me go through this little testimony for a second. Um, I went to a church service on a, one uh, Saturday evening and uh, it was uh, praise and worship. And I was just in the service of maybe about four minutes. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, about 45 minutes. And some kind of way, Holy Spirit put me up. And the next thing I knew, I was pent on the wall. And then I just started purging. All this, all this stuff just started coming out. I just started foaming at the mouth. So and at that point, my life changed right there. So that was a spiritual experience from God to me. God has really took me up to a whole different level. Now, when I was coming up, I had my mother's God, but I had to learn to give my own God, have a, a relationship with him. And one thing you have to understand is you have to put the work in. Even when you pray about something, you still have to put the work in it. Faith without the works is dead. And a lot of people don't realize they feel like if they just want to pray, it's going to happen. No, you have to put the work behind it. That's why he wrote the scripture. Faith without works is, is dead. And I don't know, you know, if you don't believe in God, that's on you. But that's my number one thing is God. I know God has brought me a long way. Wow. Wow. So challenge, you know, if, if you've tried everything else and, and nothing else is working, I don't think it hurts you to try what uh, Tony just shared, um, which is taking a step of faith while you put the work in. So we want to challenge you. You know, if you have lost all hope, tap into faith. And we're not talking, and I love how Tony put it, not the faith of someone else, your faith. You tap into what makes sense for you because this journey called life is yours. Now, you believe in coaching. You are a recovery coach. But why did you join a coaching community, Tony? What benefits did it have for you? Good question. A bunch of benefits. Uh, I'm around a bunch of men that will hold me accountable. A bunch of men that's smarter than me, that's greater than me. Uh, when I'm around that, it makes me better. It makes me want to strive to be better. And when you're around people like that, it's just some kind of way it just changes you. I don't know how, but it does just being in the community of, of, of great people, uh, especially when you learn how to be transparent about your life, when you learn how to open up about things. But, but before I came to G-Man, I wouldn't open up about nothing. Everything was, a, was, was tough. I just did not want to talk about it. But by being in the group, two years has really changed my life. If nobody else ain't seen no growth in me, I didn't saw growth in myself. You know, I have come a long way in these two years by just being in this group. So I encourage any man, man that's out there, find you a community to get in. I prefer you to get in G-Man, but if G-Man is not for you, find you a group of men that will hold you strong and it will hold you accountable. Even some churches don't have a group like this. This G-Man is phenomenal. Yeah, I, I definitely um, agree with you, Tony. I am super biased. I'm exactly like Tony. If if you are looking for a group uh, to be a part of community, um, my top of the list is G-Men. But we want you connected regardless because we understand that when you start to live in a safe environment where people can say, I want you to be better, I want you to improve, that happens. I think one of the problems we have is we 
launch into life and we do life alone. Was there ever a period in your journey, Tony, where you just did life alone? Oh yeah, most definitely. To be to be honest about when I first came to, to G-Man, I was doing life alone. I was hiding behind a mask. But like I said, if you stay in a group like this, like Coach K say, you're gonna come one way, but you're gonna leave another. You're gonna you're gonna change. Ain't no experience about it. You're gonna change. I love it. I love it. Now, I remember and I don't know what month, but I remember you running a a a uh, endurance type event. And you know, I I know that that comes with challenges. But what do you get from pushing yourself to those levels now? Mm, good question. When I push my, it, it builds up confidence. Mm. Yeah, it builds up a lot of confidence by just doing that race. It really builds my confidence. It's the same race that we're gonna do in August, the rugged Manette. It was the same race. Nice, nice, nice. So what can people expect if they want to take part in something to build their confidence, maybe train, maybe get up off the couch? Excuse me, what should they expect as they prepare or even as they think about registering for something that's going to challenge them? Get ready to get uncomfortable. Get ready to get stretched. <laughs> get ready for that challenge. <laughs> any, pre- any preparation tips? Um. Just, you know, train every day. You know, train four or five days after week. Don't wait up to the last month to train. Train at least four or five months before that, that event comes up. Because there's going to be some challenges. Wow, wow, wow. Man, I'm excited. That, that um, you know, is, is a mindset that many people don't have. They don't ask themselves, what am I doing to push myself? What am I doing to um, have fun yet be stretched? What do you think are some of the ways people can choose to have fun and be stretched? You know, especially if they came from a lifestyle that maybe people would frown on activities like that, running marathons, running rugged maniacs. Um, and, you know, they're more traditional. And, and, and maybe some of those traditions is why they turn to drugs, why they turn, you know, to being on the block, because they didn't see anybody doing anything else. What would you say to people who are stuck in that mindset where they're afraid to go beyond the traditions of their community or the traditions of their family? I would say get out your comfort zone. Get get around some people that will hold you accountable, somebody that will push you. That's why it's important that you surround yourself around the right people. When you when you when you do that, it'll take you to that next level that you're trying to get to. If you got some goals that you're trying to accomplish, when you do those small steps, when that big goal comes, you'll be able to attack it. You'll be able to run straight, run to it, and still run run from it. Yeah, I love that. Now, I'm on your your website, and your website is prisonsentencetopurposedriven.com. So prison, P-R-I-S-O-N, sentence, S-E-N-T-E-N-C-E, T-O-P-U-R-P-O-S-E, D-R-I-V-E-N.com, prison sentence to purpose driven.com. And it talks about you growing up in Longview, Texas. And you, you shared that you had wonderful parents. Tell us about growing up in Longview, Texas, and why choosing to um, fit in with those more into street culture was the choices you made. Right, right, right. Well, for me, Bernard, I grew up as the only child. Uh, I had the best of the best. My parents spoiled me. I was that little small rod kid. Had everything he wanted. I didn't want for nothing. But, uh, you know, my parents was present and absent at the same time. Now, they gave me everything that I needed. But we wasn't a close family. We did everything separate. Now, I'm not blaming nothing on my parents because I did make the wrong choices. But sometimes I think that we give our children too much. We don't show them, we don't give them no responsibilities to do, and we don't uh, make them do. Now, I had chores and stuff to do, but we just don't really make them work for it or put a goal in front of them. And my parents grew up real poor. So, I, you know, they wanted the best for me, but I just don't think they had the tools to, to go with it once they gave me everything I needed. Yeah, man, that's, that's good. That's good. And then 
you know, you were you were a good student, but that kind of backfired because you had so many credits that by the 11th grade, I think it was the 11th grade, you didn't have to go to school full time. Tell us about that journey. Yeah, at, at that time, I had a car. You know, I was working, had enough credits where I could go to school from 8 to 12. And then at 1 o'clock, I would go to work. And I was smoking so much marijuana at that time that I just said forget school because I had everything so easy. My whole life was easy, man. And the world owed me something, but the world didn't owe me nothing. The world is a dog and dog world. It's a cold world. And once uh, I went through school, and I had missed so many days at school, I, my, they sent a letter home, and that, uh, my parents found out, and that's when I uh, dropped out of high school. Mm-hmm. I missed so many days. You know, me and my friends would go over to their parents' house and hang out and smoke marijuana every day, just doing crazy stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as you clearly know, Tony, uh, being an entrepreneur, you know, making money, making money in different ways, e- even legitimate ways is so, is so important to so many young people, so many families. This wasn't the case for you. But to young people who are like, hey, I don't need high school. I don't need to finish high school. Um, you know, I'm definitely not going to college. I'll just go make money. Any advice for them? Yes. I was to get your high school education. At least do that. And in today's time, you you need the high school education around because they can take you a long way. Even get try to get some college courses because that has affected me so much, man. Not not graduating high school or going college. I have missed a lot of job opportunities like that because of, of, of my past. And you don't want to, like I said, you do not want to go through life with that when you turn 30, 35, and you don't have a high school diploma. And you just stuck on a dead end job because you don't have the, the uh, high school diploma. You don't want to be stuck like that. That's a bad feeling. Wow. Wow. That's big. That's big. Now, because of our relationship, I know that you were very young when you saw your first um, a dead body. And um, I think sometimes when we're in communities where violence is prevalent, we don't think how that affects people and how at times, not making an excuse, that can lead to addiction, seeing violence, seeing things up close. Um, What would you say to parents who don't feel empowered to move their families away from communities of violence? What would you say to that? That's a good question. I say, I think, what you see in front of you is very important. You need to show your, your children another uh, way of living because if they get accustomed to that way of living, that's what nine times out of 10, that's what they're gonna do. Now, some people beat it, but a lot of people, they will fall into that predicament because that's what they see. So you don't wanna, if you're able to get out that neighborhood, get out of it, show your children a different way. Yeah, that's big. That's big. Thank you for uh, sharing that. Thank you for, you know, just taking the time to remind parents that um, they're a pillar and and a part of everything their child will become and just their support. And I think you touched on that, how supportive your parents were, but also and how you can be both present and absent at the same time. I think sometimes uh, because we're doing a great job, we don't know that that great job could be causing a problem further down the road. So I'm always excited when you share that version of your story. What I want to touch on right now is that, again, we heard about your podcast goal. You said you're doing 15 podcasts this year and you're at uh, two currently uh, to include this one. So, you know, if you're listening and you have a podcast and it's a podcast that would benefit from uh, Tony Jackson being on your podcast and sharing his message of um, overcoming addiction, his message of going from a prison sentence to being purpose-driven, reach out. And Tony, how do we reach out and connect with you? What's the best way? 
This way will be that, that link there you said, www.prisonsimmonstopurposedriven.com. Uh, I got some new social medias. You can hit me up on Tony, Restore Recovery Coach on Instagram. You can hit me up on YouTube at you, I mean, at Tony's Restored and Twitter, uh, Restored Tony. Man, okay. So tell me about this Tony Restored. I've seen some of the t-shirts. I like it. Um, help me with the meaning. The meaning is... I'm restored now. I'm a whole different person than I used to be. Tony ain't who Tony used to be. Tony is a new man. He's a new creation. He's a, he, he wanted to change the world. He's that different person. Wow. Wow. All right. I'm trying to, okay. I found it on Instagram at Tony restored recovery coach. That's powerful. That's powerful. And what can people look forward to by following you? on your social what type of content what type of messages should they look forward to the message i'm trying to get out there is that anybody that's struggling struggling with any type of addiction you know come talk to me let's talk if you if you've got some things that that you need to talk about get that off your chest it could be it's confidential it's between me and you i'm not here to, to spread the, the message of hope someone that's been through the struggle now a lot of people they talk about addiction, but they ain't never been through, through, through addiction. I'm a person that actually been through it. I've been through the struggle. I know what it is to go on binges for four or five days at a time. I know exactly how that feels. So if you're dealing with that, reach out to me. Okay. Now, now Tony, I want to go here with you. Very sensitive moment, but, you know, a, a parent's love is eternal. But a child suffering from addiction can do so much to hurt their parents. Do you have any stories or anything from your experience that you can share about about that conversation, that eternal love from a parent, but also a child suffering through addiction, hurting their parents? Are you, uh, are you referring to something I did to my parents or just a story? Uh, either or, Tony. Either or. Uh, that, that's real touching uh, be, uh, I did uh, <laughs> me personally I did a lot of stuff to my parents and to be honest uh, I'm best to see my parents still alive for everything mm. took them through there was some times that uh, I would go in my mom's purse and I would take everything that she had mm. and um when she would wake up in the morning, all her money would be gone. So you can just imagine how my mother felt at that time, her only son going through this. And she really, at that time, my mom, she didn't talk to nobody about her problems. She had to keep all this inside. And she was dealing with that, you know. And that really hurted my mom to see her only son. Because my mom, she gave me everything I wanted. All I had to do was ask her for it. But I would take from her. You know, I, I embarrassed her. I really hurt my parents. It was another time when the, the FBI was looking for me and they surrounded our whole house and the embarrassment that I did to my parents in our neighborhood, because we lived in a pretty good neighborhood at that time. But just a, a shame that I brought to, to my family. Everybody knew that I had it, you know, I had everything that I wanted. Why did he choose that life? Those were some bad times for me. Wow. Wow. Powerful, um, Tony. And, and thank you for allowing us to go there. I think some parents, like your mother, suffers in silence. You know, they don't want to share anything. They don't want to um, live through the embarrassment. But here you are on this side of things. And, and Tony is restored. Tony has um survive and and been rebuilt and has has lived out his faith and is giving back um so help parents who are right now in that moment remember that there is a way ahead what i would tell parents is if you're dealing with that get your child some help don't be afraid find someone that you can talk to don't be afraid let that out because would you hold that in like that causes stress, that could cause a heart attack, and it can cause you to leave this earth. 
So how about it? Find someone in confidential that you can talk to about that. Find some a recovery coach. Find someone that that you can relate to and talk about that. And give your children some tough love. There's nothing wrong with loving your children, but give them that tough love. If they're doing certain things, they come out. Hey, you got to go. I hate to do this, but sometimes they have to learn. You know, because if you keep just giving them the ease away, they're going to keep taking advantage of you. I know. I did it to my parents myself. That's big. That's big. Now, Tony, I know there are a lot of youth groups. I know there are a lot of uh, pastors or, or um, you know, even groups like ours, G-Men, who would love to connect with you as a speaker. Uh, and again, you can reach out to Tony on um, uh, prison sentence to purpose driven dot com. But Tony, when you do go give those talks, um, what are some of the, I guess, highlights of those talks to um, a congregation, to a youth group? to a summer camp, uh, to men's groups, to um, recovery groups? What's some of the highlights of your, your talks? The highlights will be how I overcame the addiction part, how I overcame having a $500 habit. They always ask me a question, do you ever think about going back to using drugs? I don't. I don't come back. But it wasn't always like that. It took some time for me to get at that place. You know? Some hard work. It took me working from the inside out to get that. Because, like I said, that is a hard life. I always want to give people hope. Just look at me. Look what I've been through. You can do the same thing and talk about it. But first, admit the problem. Admit it. Wow. Wow. First, admit the problem. Again, uh, Tony, I can't thank you. Um, enough for your time. I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. I can't thank you enough for this level of transparency as you really allow those who need to hear this message to hear this message um, to the parents, to people who have been through addiction, whether you are the survivor or you are the family member of someone struggling, know that there's hope, know that there are recovery coaches out here like Tony Jackson who who's not only trained to help, but because of the experience, he has the right level of empathy to help and to assist. Don't live in shame. Don't think you're the only person who have ever um, been through this. We challenge you to not give up. We, We challenge you to find hope. We challenge you to use faith. But more importantly, we want you to know that you are worth it and you're valuable. Um, Tony, I'll let you close us out. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. And one thing I want to leave with everybody, don't be ashamed of your life where you came from. We all go through things for a reason. And I don't regret nothing that I've been through in my life because I knew God had me the whole time. God was able to turn my life around. He took me through that for a reason so I could be a testimony, so I can help this young generation behind me. So if it's something that you're holding on to, let that go. Let somebody hear your story. Appreciate that, um, Tony. Again, if you are on a path to recovery, you just need coaching, or maybe it's time for a change in your coaching, reach out to Tony Jackson, business owner, husband, father, and recovery coach. Have a great day, Tony. Thanks, Chris.